the last week of the preseason, and some analysis of the fall scrimmage. That, plus some Aggie basketball talk, right now on AggieCast. Welcome, welcome. This is Micah Safeston, your host on AggieCast, the only podcast dedicated to the Utah State Aggies. Well, folks, it's the last week of the preseason. Can you believe it? If you're like me, I, I know I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I'm getting hyped up <laughs> about Utah State taking the field at Camp Randall next week. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, it's a week from tomorrow. So let's dive in to the fall scrimmage, some analysis of that. Uh, I was there. It was very exciting. The family fun day. Um, it was very hot, but it was, it was a good time. And I think if there was a theme to the fall scrimmage on Saturday, if there was one thing that stuck out to me, it, I could sum it, sum it all up in one word, and that was the word balance balance because it was the only thing that there was plenty of <laughs> that was balance there was there was no um no side of the ball no position group that seemed to stick out in a good way or a bad way uh and it this really echoes an article written by uh, I believe his name's Jason Jason Turner at the, the Herald Journal here in Cache Valley, the local newspaper, he he had the same sentiments I did. I, I walked away um, really impressed. Uh, well, at the same time, I there were still some question marks. Some of the same questions I had uh, as I've watched these practices and I've uh, seen the scrimmage, because the, there was no significant... Um, there wasn't a significant part of the team that that seemed to do uh, very very well, or one that didn't do as well. I I still had some questions, but I I also am uh, very excited about that because um, th- there also wasn't really any weak areas. Now that said, I do want to talk about some players who who did stand out a little bit. Um, the there were only. Two offensive touchdowns. The team was just split up in between, in between offense and defense. I know sometimes in these uh, scrimmages, particularly in spring games, but you'll see them in these fall scrimmages as well, where the team will just split up and you'll have half the offense on one team and half the offense on the other, same with the defense. And they didn't do that. They just split up. the. I think the defense was wearing the gray and then the, the offense was wearing the blue. 
And I, I think that's a better way of doing it, especially in a situation like this. And, uh, you, you know, so the, the blue side just always has the ball. And so there, there were a couple of players that played very well uh, on the offense. I'll start with the offense. And um, there were only two offensive touchdowns scored, both of them by the running back El Toro Allen, the, the junior college transfer. He can't, comes here from, uh, from California, and he is a, he's a small guy, uh, not very big. I, I mentioned I watched his highlight video um, his, from his JUCO, and it, it was very good. I mean, he, he was really <laughs> very good at the junior college level. And um, he didn't look as small in that highlight video, I'll tell you that. And uh, compared to some of these, uh, these big defensive linemen we have <laughs> playing for the Aggies, he, he's small, but he's very quick. And uh, he scored both of the touchdowns. Both of them were uh, not very long runs, but he, he was probably the running back that stuck out the most. Now, Lawan Hunt started the scrimmage. He, he was lined up for about the first two series, I believe, we had Lawan Hunt. I, despite the fact that El Toro Allen played well on Saturday, I would expect Lawan Hunt to line up uh, on the first snap, the offensive, first offensive snap for the Aggies against Wisconsin. I would be surprised if it wasn't Lawan Hunt, um, to, partially because he started the, the scrimmage, but also because he, he really has the uh, outside of his injury last season. He has the most experience. I mean, I, I, I think Torrey Green might have a few more snaps than he does, but he has the most significant experience. Um, so I, I think it will be him. But I, I hope to see El Toro Allen uh, getting some, some reps because uh, he, on the ground, he, he ran the ball better than anyone else. Uh, Kent Myers has some good runs. It, it's also hard to really judge the uh, ability of a quarterback to run in these situations because they never tackle the quarterbacks. So it, the quarterbacks always look better running than they in these scrimmages than they do in the games. But um, Kent Myers, he, he kind of ran, you know, how he usually does. Another player that, that stuck out on offense was actually Damian Hobbs, the former backup quarterback to Kent Myers. <clears throat> Moved to tight end over this offseason. And he's bolted up. I've, I've read that on, in some... Some highlights of him uh, that have been done over the summer. And he really looks similar to Wyatt Houston last year. That, that's really who he, who he reminded me of. Kind of the guy you go to on, on second and eight, on third and five, who you can really rely on to get that short pass. that will get you the first down, and he'll, he'll hit the free safety, and, and two-thirds of the time the, the free safety is going to bounce off of him. <laughs> And he'll get ten more yards until the cornerback trips him up. That's that seemed to be the the kind of tight end that Damian Hobbs is playing. He's actually lining up uh, in a three point stance on the line of scrimmage, like a, a traditional tight end. Not how I was really expecting him to line up, which was more as a slot, a kind of a hybrid slot receiver. And uh, so that was exciting to see him um, play. Really, like I said, in the in the form of Quiet Houston. But I'll tell you what really stuck out to me about the offense on Saturday that uh, kind of, and, and I, I was suspecting this. This is kind of what I was hoping for. And my wishes came true. And that was that they did not line up 
in a huddle all afternoon. Now, I have nothing against huddling. I have nothing against it. In fact, I, I, if I were a coach, I'd probably be running a, a power eye traditional type offense. But to see that, um, that we're sticking with a no huddle, and I would expect that um, throughout the season, I think to, to, the idea of that becoming the norm for the Utah State offense is, is really an a encouraging prospect. For, for us Aggie fans because they haven't really, they've played a type of offense that would lend itself to a no huddle, but they haven't done it uh, draw every drive of every game. Uh, and, and this will be the first time at least I've seen that the Aggies line up in a no huddle every single game, every single drive. And, and that will add a dimension to the offense that we haven't seen before putting pressure on the defense to to line up quick. Even Wisconsin, you know, now don't get me wrong. Wisconsin will absolutely be prepared to play against a true no-huddle offense. They will be prepared to, to see that. You know, they'll, it's a good chance they'll see it when they uh, when they, they play some of their, their tougher opponents on their schedule. But they're not necessarily going to be, I, they'll expect it because they'll, you know, they're watching the scrimmage. They they'll be studying up on David Yost. I, I I'm sure that they'll expect it, but to force them to to treat Utah State as if they're they're playing even a fellow Big Ten opponent, that's a that, that's a good thing. Uh, that's something that uh, that our former offensive coordinators, our former offenses at the Aggies, we weren't able to do that. But the, the fact that we could do that this year. I mean that that is a, a sign in the right direction, and that that was what got me the most excited about the offense on Saturday. Now, looking over to the defense, uh, the defense also played very in a very balanced fashion. There was not a player that was getting all the tackles. There was not a player that was missing all the tackles. Uh, that I will say, the defensive line looked very good. Uh, that was the actually the position group that I was more worried about, probably between the, the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary. That was, of those three position groups, I was probably the most worried about the D-line, but they, they played very well, uh, multiple sacks. They, they were playing with the most excitement, more excitement than anyone else on the field, uh, making big stops. Um, th- that was really why Lawan Hunt, frankly, Lawan Hunt did not have a uh, blockbuster afternoon um, when compared to uh, same with same with Tony Green uh, yeah uh, Tory Green and uh, really or El Toro Allen really kind of um, was really the only one able to get away from our defensive line uh, so they they were playing very well our secondary also uh, played as expected that was that's probably the position group I am the uh, the most the most optimistic about for the Aggies this season. And they lived up to my expectations. Um, Jalen Davis had the only, the only turnover of the whole afternoon was a Jalen Davis interception from uh, DJ Nelson. DJ, DJ Nelson threw a deep ball and it was, it was short. It was probably about three or four yards short. And Jalen Davis was right there. It was an easy catch. Um, so that the only turnover of the afternoon, which you know, is actually bodes well for the offense. But uh, 
the the defense the offense was not passing the ball deep very well. Uh, they were not passing it along the the uh, deep left or right side of the field. They they were really the, the spots that were open for the offense were kind of deep middle uh, or, or really really uh, shallow middle is what I, what I mean. Right where the linebackers line up. That was that was where it was open. And that's why that's why Damian Hobbs had the day he had. <clears throat> so that was kind of what stuck out to me uh, on the defense. Overall, they played well. They they gave up some big plays, um, but for the most part, they held the offense. And I, I think if I had to pick a winner between the the offense and the defense, it's always hard to pick a winner, and and it doesn't really have a. There's not really a purpose in declaring winner, but if, but if I had to, I I think I would say the defense outplayed the offense. Um, the offense seemed seemed to be playing best when it was the short passing situations uh, to the tight ends, both Damian Hobbs and Dax Raymond, uh, both had big days, and and even even the slants in the flat, like anything in the flat, uh, there were a couple of big receptions. That some of the, the the running backs had actually out in the flat on wheel routes, uh, those were also very good. But for the most part, the defense was stopping both the pass and the run um, better than than the offense was was playing to it. But that's a difficult decision because it was a balanced day. Uh, it was balanced, which is what you want to see out of these scrimmages. You don't want to see one side dominating the other. Um, and I will say. When there were big plays on offense or defense, it was usually done by the first team. It was usually first team against second team. So you had the first team offense playing second team defense. And that's that's pretty typical of these types of scrimmages. And so usually it was the first team getting the big play against the second team. So it was a good scrimmage. It was uh, what what you want to see, especially if you're worried about the Aggie defense this year. Um, and <clears throat> special teams, I'll, I'll briefly on special teams, the, the kicking was, uh, field goal kicking was pretty good. Uh, they had, uh, Eberly, I think is his, his name, the, our new kicker. Um, and they've got a couple of kickers, but he seemed to be the strongest. I think he had a 46 yard field goal, which was, which they had him kicking him. They had him kicking it pretty deep, uh, especially early on in the scrimmage. And uh, Aaron Dalton, the punter, was just phenomenal. Just some beautiful kicks. Um, I think he had one that, that was in the neighborhood of 55 yards and was just getting hang time, these spiral punts. Um, so special teams look good. I haven't talked about much about special teams for the Aggies uh, so far, <laughs> but that's what I'll say about them. We'll get into more to them as we get to the season. So overall, like I said, a good scrimmage, uh, one that that I think can give uh, the Aggie faithful and the listeners of this podcast some confidence coming into the season, coming into the Wisconsin game next week. And I think we have every reason to um, to expect a fight out of the Aggies against Wisconsin. That will be the most difficult game of the season. We'll get into that more next week, as next week is game week. Can you believe it? We started this podcast with 50, ga- 50 days until the first game, and we are almost there. In fact, when next week's podcast comes out, it will be the day before the first game of the season. That is exciting. 
We're going to get into some Utah State basketball next segment, something we have not talked about yet. And I am ex- I am just as excited to talk about Utah State basketball as I think we have every reason to uh, to be optimistic about it, while while still cautiously optimistic, that is, because there are still questions that need to be answered. There are still um, gaps that need to be filled. We'll get it. We'll start getting into that as the season basketball season gets closer. But for now, we're going to talk about this trip to Italy by the Utah State Aggies. Next. Welcome back to AgriCast. This is Micah Safeston. Let's talk about this trip to Italy by the Utah State Aggies. Uh, something that I haven't seen before in a uh, in Utah State, at least. I know it sounds like there was an organization that, that does this and provides these trips to uh, some handful of schools every year. I, that was very cool. I know... I know uh, University of Michigan football team went to Rome this spring and had their spring practices there. That was the first time I've ever seen anything like that in football. But I guess it's it's fairly common in basketball, and they, they play some of these. They actually have scrimmages against these European teams. It's a 10-day trip touring Italy. Uh, they, they're going to spend some time in Venice, Rome, San Marino. They play four games. As of this recording, they've played two of those four games, and they uh, they're one and one in those two games. The first game was uh, not uh, last Wednesday, and they played a team from Lithuania. Uh, Lithuania, I understand the team they played. I, I read something that that it was one of the top teams in whatever league the Lithuanian basketball league, one of the top teams in that league. And the Aggies uh, put up a good fight, lost 85-78, to 78. Uh, had, had a second game against a team, the Adriatic Sea Tritons. Now, I don't know if there's any fans of the Adriatic Sea Tritons. I'd love to hear from you and hear about your team, because I, I know that this is one of, I mean, you talk about the LA Lakers, the Boston Celtics, and the Adriatic Sea Tritons. I mean, just three powerhouses in the sport. But uh, they beat the Adriatic Sea Tritons 77-42. to And I, I know uh, some of the... Really, there's not a lot. You know, you, you don't go to ESPN and read about these games. Um, it, really, Utah State itself is really the only um, outlet that I've seen talk extensively to any, really, in any sort of detail about these games. It sounds like... Uh, between the two games, the Aggies had five separate players who scored double digits. Um, they had the second game. Dwayne Brown Jr. had a double-double in the second game against the Adriatic Sea Tritons. Uh, D'Angelo Isby. D'Angelo Isby, I believe he's the junior college transfer. So he's a junior, first year with the Aggies. He had 12 points in the first game and then led the team with 16 against the uh, second the, the Adriatic Sea Tritons, <laughs> um, and so it sounds like he's he's turning into one of the leaders. And when I, when I look at this and I, I look at the schedule, um, not not I shouldn't say the schedule, but the 
just the, the statistics and seeing what type of players the basketball team has, really what kind of hangs in my mind was something not unlike what uh, stuck out to me at the football scrimmage last Saturday, and that is the word balance. It's just a, a theme for today. And what I think, <clears throat> so I'll get more into, into Utah State basketball and what, where I feel this team is at. I feel like one of the major struggles it had last season and, and to some extent the year before was a lack of balance, was really a, uh, a dependence on a few players. And sometimes that works. Sometimes you can be the Cleveland Cavaliers and, uh, and depend on one or two players. But many times it is not. And I think the Aggies were, were finding, especially in college basketball, that, that is something that... Uh, that you, you, it's hard to depend on that. And I, th- I feel like we are really kind of leaning on Jalen Moore quite a bit. And all opposing teams need to do was really double-team Jalen Moore. And they were halfway there to uh, to stopping the Aggies. And it by the looks of this, with five players scoring double this, now it's just two games. Two games against European teams that they've never seen before who play a different type of basketball. So take it with a grain of salt. But if this is a trend that continues... I think we can have some cautious optimism about the basketball team. Because to, to have five players uh, scoring double digits between two games, to not have one guy who's sticking out and leading the team every game, game after game, let's keep our eye on that. And let's, let's make sure that we're not relying on a, a D'Angelo Isby. Let's make sure we're not relying on a Dwayne Brown or a Sam Merrill. Or a, certainly a Kobe, Kobe McEwen, who... I, he he played very well in both these games as well. By the way, you know I haven't mentioned him, but he you know he's probably the the uh, the top returner for the Aggie basketball team. The, the Aggie basketball team this year is Kobe McEwen, and uh, so in fact, it, and it, it is the fact that we're not relying on Kobe McEwen and not counting on him to score uh, twenty points a game to win games that we can have, like I said, some cautious optimism about the Aggie basketball. So let's keep an eye on that. Let's uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about the the second two games, and we'll probably put basketball aside for for uh, a few months, and uh, and get back to them as we get closer to the season. And uh, if if it starts to look like maybe we need to start talking about a little more basketball, a little less football, if you know what I mean, uh, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping that the football team will make us excited to talk about football, and I am, I am even more cautiously optimistic, there's that phrase again, about Utah State football as I am about the basketball team. Both teams that uh, are coming off somewhat disappointing years, particularly the football team, and that I think have, have made some good changes over the offseason. Uh, the basketball team, you know, still really adjusting, still adjusting to a new coach. Even though Coach Durier is was hired from within the, the the Utah State organization, there's still real adjustments that are made, especially when you're losing um, a, kind of a legacy coach in Coach Merrill. And so, both teams, football and basketball, um, teams that we can be optimistic about, but um, but we need to to also uh, not be cheerleaders. I'm not. I hope I, I don't seem like a cheerleader. So. Anyway, let's uh, let's get back to a little football, and and then I will send you off 
into the last week of the college football preseason. Okay, I want to close today's edition of AggieCast with something a little, a little light, a little more uh, <laughs> uh, lighthearted, although isn't everything we talked about somewhat lighthearted? I guess it is. But uh, I was perusing ESPN.com, and you know that it's, it's that time of the year for ESPN and every sportscaster like me. The dog days of summer are almost to a close. The days where we can either talk about August baseball or we can do this, what I'm about to present to you. The most, the happiest and most miserable college football fan bases in the nation. You know the dog days of summer are coming to a close when ESPN is doing articles like this and then I am reiterating them here on AgCast, the home of the Utah State Aggies, although maybe I shouldn't say that for legal reasons, but nevertheless, let's look at what ESPN rates the 121 FBS schools, the, the happiest all the way down to most miserable college football fan bases, and let's see where the Utah State Aggies fit in and uh, why you may or may not agree with this ranking. They have put number one, the Ohio State University Buckeyes. They say Ohio State, they describe Ohio State fan base as elated and uh, give them 100% rating on program power, rivalry dominance, and all the way down. The only low, the only uh, low ranking they gave them, they, they, they separated them into these different rankings and they said that they are at a 5% on Twitter buzz. And so, uh, whatever that means, I don't know if I would agree with that. Uh, Ohio State. Number two was Florida State. Number three, Alabama. I guess there's, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised at those ratings. Where, however, was Utah State Aggies? Well, we can look at the Mountain West rankings. Who was the happiest? college football fan base in the Mountain West. Number one, they have Boise State. Number two, San Diego State. And I'll save you the time by going all the way down to number 12. Yes, the most miserable, most uh, depressed, sad, uh, melancholy fan base in the Mountain West Conference, our very own Utah State Aggies. They say, Aggie fans aren't the happiest on Twitter, and Coach Matt Wells is feeling pressure after two years of decreasing win totals, close quote. So, are we the most miserable college football fan base in the, in the Mountain West? 102nd in overall. Uh, they describe us as distraught. And I don't know if uh, I would agree with that. I feel pretty happy. However, I'm not going to argue that we are definitely below Boise State and San Diego State because we have 
some catching up to do. So let us put on a smile, smile on our face, and let us uh, prove to ESPN that we are uh, so much happier, so much more joyful than 101 other college football fan bases in the nation. And with that bit of jocularity and silliness, I will close the last episode of AggieCast during the college football 2017 college football preseason. Next week, we begin the regular season for Utah State football 2017. Thank you very much. Go Aggies! Thank you.